From the time we are born, we are placed in a bubble. It may be a result of where we are born, the people we are around, or the information we are given. Our mission here on the Sports is a Job podcast is to pop the bubble and help everyone realize they control their own path. We will interview people working in sports to share their story and provide our take on sport industry topics. Hosted by Colby Castillo and Olivia Poutine. Welcome to the Sports is a Job podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Sports is a Job podcast, Journey of the Working Sports Professional. This is one half of the podcast. My name is Colby Castillo, and as always, joined by the co-host here. Hey, everyone, this is Olivia. We have a special guest for you today from Open Doors. Um, I'll stop doing the talking. I'll let him introduce himself. So Derek Peterson, welcome to the podcast. If you could please introduce yourself, your current position, and what it is you currently do today. Well, first of all, Colby and Olivia, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Derek Peterson. I'm a Senior Vice President of Operations at Open Doors. Open Doors helps uh, influential people publish content on social media. Um, I love what I do. Um, I'm on the leadership team at Open Doors, and one of the things that you know, I think we're known for is it, or more uh, as an athlete marketing platform. And we've got more than 12,000 athletes that use Open Doors every day to help them publish content on social. And uh, it's a really exciting job and uh, exciting time to be in this industry too. So uh, thanks again for having me. Yeah, it's definitely something that I think is taking a bigger um, role in the sports industry is branding and more importantly, individual branding when it comes to athletes on the college athlete side. But we want to focus on your journey, right, of where you started to where you got today. And one of the most interesting things I have to mention is that you were outside of the sports industry for seven years, eight months when you worked with Bailey Lowerman, where you started off, with, off as a traffic manager and worked your way up to director of new business. Now, what was it like for you to, you know, take the time away from the sports industry and then come back in, coming back into it? And um, you joined, what was it, June 2015, you jo- joined Open Door. So what was that process like for you? What did you learn? Um, would you have done it differently or how did it benefit you? Yeah, so right out of school, um, well, while I was in school, I went to the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. And uh, right out of school, I, I – I'll say lucked out. Um, I got an internship with the Kansas City Royals in their marketing department, and I, you know, going through school, I had a you know a business degree, and going through school, I had always wanted to work in sports, and for me, it was player ops side, right, like general management of a major league baseball team, and I didn't know how to get there. Like I didn't. There, there's not a set in stone path, like in you two know this, but it's not a it's not something that there's a defined path to work in sports. And and that's, I mean, part of the mission of the podcast that you guys do is to help, you know, students and, and young professionals understand how other people are getting there. And, and I am no exception to that. I didn't know what I was going to do, but you know, when I was still in school, then when I had graduated um, from Nebraska, I was just, I was throwing my resume out and cover letter to any and every team at every you know, imaginable level of professional and collegiate sports. And I lucked out and got a, an interview with the Royals and, you know, ended up getting a job there in the marketing department. And the, so that was the summer of 2007 and, and the team was not, you know, good at that point. I was, I grew up a Royals fan. I love the Royals. So 
um, getting to work for a team that I loved and a sport that I loved in baseball that I, that I grew up playing and, and knew everything about. Um, it was a dream come true just to get that, you know, marketing internship for, for a season. And I got done with that internship and I was doing anything I could do to stick on full time. And um, at the end of the 2007 season, the Royals had announced plans to renovate Kauffman Stadium. And I mean, if you go to Kauffman now, it's beautiful, beautiful ballpark. And it was before that too. But as part of that, they were going to be having to call season ticket holders and ask them to be displaced from their seats while some of these renovations were taking place. So not a, not a job that everybody dreams about doing, but for, you know, a young professional who was just doing anything he could do to try to stick with the team full time. I raised my hand. I said, you know, I I'll start making these phone calls if I can keep working for, uh, for the team. So I went from the marketing department, which was up on the, I think the third floor down to the sales department and season tickets on the first floor and started just um, pounding out phone calls. And I, I had never been, um, I don't want to say screamed at, but I had, I had never been or felt the emotion of sports fans like I did at that time, calling them and telling them, you know, we have a great, you know, see we have great seats available for you as you move during these renovations and it was fandom at its zenith point where (laughs) you know these fans had sat in these seats for 20 30 40 years and even though the the royals were you know upgrading the facilities and making the venue better for fans that feeling of nostalgia and attachment to sports was never more evident for me (laughs) So I, uh, I got to stick around for a couple more months doing that. And then, it, it, you know, it, my internship was over, right? The position was over. And then I, had, I did transition to uh, the advertising agency back in, in uh, Nebraska. So, you know, Colby, that was a <laughs> long, and I still haven't answered your question yet. No, it's great, okay. But, um, no, we got to, you know, I came back to Nebraska and started working at the agency. And you're right, I was there for almost eight years. Um, and I think for me, being out of sports um, or being out of something that I had always dreamed of doing, um, it was like a, a part of me was always kind of whispering, saying, when are you going to get back into it? When are you going to get back into it? And there were ways for me to do it at, at the agency. I, I worked on some sports accounts or for projects to where, or even, you know, as I grew in my career at the agency, I was able to. Uh, make suggestions on things that we could work on as an agency and and try to go after or pitch these companies for things that I was passionate about, which was sports. So I never really was, it was never really completely of my life, um, even when I'd moved back to Nebraska uh, to work at the agency. But it was something where, you know, when, when I met Blake and Audie, the co-founders at Open Doors uh, in, in 2015, as you mentioned, it was something where when we started talking about, you know, what they were doing and and what they were on the cusp of as a company, when they, you know, when they said, Hey, what if we did this together? Um, It was, it just was like a flood of that, that emotion and attachment to sports that came back that I was like, yeah, let's, maybe we can make this work. 
Mm-hmm. Would you be able to give us a rundown just of like what o- Open Doors does? Um, I think I'm pretty familiar with like what the company does, but I think it's important from your perspective to explain it and like how like big of a company and how like influential you guys are with these athletes and like what you do. Yeah. So Open Doors is a software company. Um, that's at the, it's the lead, our, our platform or our technology is the, the solution that we offer. Um, we have, you know, a couple of different solutions. We have Open Doors for Sports where we're working with, you know, professional leagues and teams, college athletic departments, college teams, unions and associations to where they can onboard their athletes or their broadcasters or their coaching staff um, to be able to tee up content for those athletes to review and approve and publish at the tap of a, a couple of buttons. So, um, for example, we work with um, the San Antonio Spurs as an example. They're one of our partners, and they, uh, Patty Mills, is one of their one of their players. So, at the end of a game, they may have Patty may have made a great play that night, thrown a sick dime, dropped a, an assist on somebody or had a dunk. And at the end of the night, the, the Spurs digital and social team can load up that video highlight, suggest some copy for Patty to share on his social channels. Patty will get a text message that says the Spurs have content for you to review. He clicks that he opens it up. He's like, I like this, or this isn't in my voice. So he edits the caption a little bit. And then he hits publish and then it goes out automatically on his social channels. So that's the, that's the software at play. Mm. Um, And of course we do have like a a managed services part or open doors for brands where we're working with, you know, Pepsi or Panini or EA sports where they have either ambassadors and sports professionals that they already work with um, that they are, fulfilling contracts with these athletes are fulfilled to do appearance or they're contracted to do appearances and 24 social posts throughout the season. And then our software does the exact same thing that the Spurs use it for, but now Pepsi's using it to send to their roster of NFL athletes or Panini getting ready for the upcoming NFL draft. They want to share the, the football card for the newest rookie. So they enlist one of the veterans on the Dallas Cowboys to welcome the new Dallas Cowboys rookie to the league and share that card on social. So everybody at the height of awareness for that rookie, they're seeing on social this great offering that Panini has or this cool card that they've put out. So, you know, there, there's the, the couple of different sides of our business, but it's, it's all backed by that software. Mm-hmm. I feel like this business, like what you do in particular, like with Open Doors is very, very powerful because and what I've come to discover is that like, if you look at Duke men's, the Duke men's basketball Instagram, that account has like millions of followers just because it's Duke. But if you compare Duke to the players that eventually go on to the NBA, like you are probably getting a lot more people who interact with the NBA player account than they do the university account because like that's their personal account. Mm -hmm. So more people are probably going to be interested in connecting with their favorite player rather than the team. Mm -hmm. You're right on Olivia. I think one of the things that uh, our people probably get tired of us saying this sometimes, but it's the faces in the feed that slow your scroll, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. When I'm going through, 
my Twitter timeline and I'm looking at the people that are posting there, of course, I see brands posting or I see teams posting. But when I see a player on that team or an ambassador for that brand talking about it, I seem to slow down or I'll watch that video a little bit more intently. And I think that is a core belief of the power of open doors and, and really not even the power of open doors, the power of the people it, it there. I mean, you can read study after study about trust and buying intent about, you know, word of mouth from influencers or, or not even just influencers, but influential people and people want to hear from those folks. They want mm -hmm. to, they want to listen to or learn from experts. And there's just a little bit less bias when it's a face or a person telling them that versus the brand itself or the team itself. Mm -hmm. And I, it's, it's, I, I have a friend that he does um, social media managing for a lot of professional athletes. And I asked him about, I was like, dude, how can have, how can you have somebody manage your social media um, when you're tweeting out or you're posting things and you can kind of tell, like I can kind of tell when someone is posting for somebody else, like there's a difference in the wording and the tone. So I think it's an important thing that you mentioned with your software they can look at the different content and they can adjust it. You know, maybe that doesn't sound how I sound and they can make it sound authentic. So that's very important because like if, if my favorite player, Joey Bosa, he's like tweeting out something like I know when he's not tweeting and it's somebody else. Like it's just, you can just tell because it's not their voice, but I want to get back to your journey. And you mentioned um, the Kansas city Royals while you were an intern there. And then you went off to go somewhere else, you know, Based on that experience of what you went through and thinking back on it, what would your advice to be to someone who's currently in an internship or going to be in an internship to leverage themselves to get a full-time role after that internship is done? Yeah. It, the first thing that you actually are, are talking about is advice. Number one is find an internship or find something that allows you to get on the job experience. So if, if you, um, if you aspire to work in sports or really any industry, right? If you can find an internship or a shadowing program, even that allows you to get your name top of mind with that company to get experience on the job and understand what the day to day is in that role. Uh, that is a huge leg up. And that, that for me, it was, I worked for an independent baseball team in Lincoln, Nebraska, the Lincoln Salt Dogs. Um, and that was the first internship for me that allowed me to experience what it was like to work in professional sports. And that was a summer internship. It, it did pay. They, I <laughs> shout out, shout out Lincoln Salt Dogs. It was a paying internship, right? But, but that internship was great because we rotated through every element of you know, the team's operations. It was event management. It was marketing. It was merch. You know, we were, we were on the field doing stadium ops and pulling the tarp when it was raining. Like we, we did everything. So for me, it was just gain as much experience in it and Intel on what it might be that those hiring managers were looking for. Mm -hmm. So that was great for me. I, I, again, I, I worked my tail off, but I was lucky to get these internships and roles 
in the industry that I ultimately wanted to be in. Um, but I, you know, to your question, Colby, I think just it, it really is about perseverance at, at some point, like you, especially if you're already in the door, you have got to continue to want it. Like there at the, you know, it was hard. Like, no, I knew what the end date of my internship with the Royals was like w when I started, I already knew my end date and it was a week after the season ended. So I knew that if anything were to, if I were to stay on even a day past that, so I was going to have to do something to force that to happen. And that's not, you know, that's, that might be a glass half full look at things, right? You know, not, that's not, that wasn't in my control to some extent, but I knew going in that I was going to have to work my tail off every day and show up every day and work hard every day. And even then nothing was guaranteed. And I think if, even if I wouldn't have got those, you know, extra six weeks, you know, on the phones or whatnot, I would have developed a relationship with the people at the Royals that I was working under and for that if they had connections or if they knew someone that the power of networking, right? Like I had shown what I was made of. I had shown my material that where if I needed something from them, I, I would have been confident in calling upon them to serve as a reference or make a phone call or send an email. Mm -hmm. And go ahead, Olivia. Um, I was just going to ask more about your internship with the Royals and just cause like, I think everyone sees marketing and is like, wow, that's really, really cool. And it is a very cool thing, but just what were some of the things that you got to do with them? And was it just focused mainly on marketing or did you get to explore like other fields of like the MLB industry, I guess, or with the Kansas city Royals? Yeah. So I was, <laughs> it's funny. So the marketing assistant was the role that I uh, came in as for my, for my seasonal work. And I did, I mean, I did a lot of stuff. We, you know, during, you know, off days or when the team was on the road, you know, it was, it was a regular nine to five office job. I was, um, I headed up the uh, Blue Crew Kids Club, which was the, the, uh, the, the, the kids club for, you know, children to be a part of and, and show their fandom at a young age. So I was fulfilling orders uh, for the, the fan club. Uh, I was doing radio ad trafficking, so reading through traffic reports and seeing that all the radio spots that were um, advertising for the upcoming homestand were getting played on the networks across the, the region. Um, on, on game days, uh, we did promotions. We, did, um, we went and found the contestants for the sprint dance-off. Um, we would do the trivia games and find people in the crowd to participate in those. Um, one of the fun things, uh, myself and one of the other interns, uh, we got the national anthem folks set up before the game and we were making sure their, their instruments were there, the mics were ready and all the on-field stuff before the game. So, you know, I had, I had a ton of fun and even before the game, right, we were doing the, the, the giveaways. So if it was the, the bobblehead doll night or the t-shirt Tuesdays or whatever it was. So we were going out gate to gate and making sure there was enough inventory at this gate and monitoring the flow of the crowd in. So if we had to move a pallet of 
these bobbleheads from gate one to gate two. We were in charge of doing that. And we were on radio the whole time. So, you know, it was a great time, but I'm a huge baseball fan. So you have to remember, so on game days, we were going into the office at, you know, 9 a.m. The first pitch would be, you know, 7 p.m. or 7.05. And then my job was done at the sixth inning. So after that, I could just be a baseball fan, which mm-hmm. I loved. Like, I, I love baseball. So I would, I would just find a great seat as close to the action as I could. I would go grab a hot dog out of the, the uh, media room and maybe a popcorn. And I would sit down and be a fan for three innings, which, again, the Royals weren't great at the time, but I got to see great players and great games just because of, you know, this internship, that, which, again, paid internship with the Royals. Great. But for me, it, it definitely was not about the money. It was about the experience and then getting to then do something that I literally love to do, which is watch baseball every single night, 81 times a year. So it was, uh, it was a great experience. And as far as outside the Royals, yeah, I mean, we got a lot of experience seeing how other marketing departments and and uh, throughout the league acted or the promotions that they did so we were paying attention not not from a competitive standpoint but from a learning perspective like what are the promotions that they were doing that were successful both at the major league level and then at the the affiliates and one of the royals affiliates is here in in, uh, nebraska so we were paying attention to what they what promotions they do and things like that so for me it was a, a huge learning opportunity whereas the the actual professionals and the full-time professionals that I was working with and, and for, they, they were the run ones not learning. They were running the show. I was there to learn. Mm-hmm. It's undeniable that when you hear someone like yourself talking about, you know, kind of reminiscing about the, the intern experiences and things they were doing, a lot of times if you were to describe this to people, they'd be like, dude, you did that as a job? You did that as an internship? Well, and that's just the amazing thing that you know, we want to package these stories and tell people that are looking to get into the sports industry or are maybe in a struggling point. Maybe they want to get out of it. And it's like, dude, like, think about like, it's just so amazing. Like what we get to do, we get to be fans while we actually work. And I noticed in one of your Instagram posts that you posted a while back, you did like a throwback Thursday of you in your nice suit. Um, Then you said, I love opening game day, right? Opening day for MLB. And most recently, Open Doors did a you guys are partnering now with MLB, was it PA now, their player association? So it's interesting because now you get to do that. You get to do, you get to work with your alumni school, your Nebraska. So you get to work up close with these different teams, these things that you love. So describe to us, what is that like? Like, what's that feeling that you get to do a job where you get to interact with the things that you are truly passionate about? Well, one uh, note of correction here, which I, I hope will make you laugh, Colby, is when you say that nice suit in 2007 for opening day, that was definitely a suit off the rack at Walmart because <laughs> that was probably one of the first suits I ever owned. So I don't think it was that nice of a suit, but yeah, I sure cleaned up well for that opening day in 2007. I'll say that. Uh, one, uh, you know, your question was about you know, rediscovering sort of, or, or rem- remembering why it is that we get so excited to work in sports. And I tell my wife this a lot of the time, you know, we both have worked in the agency world. Um, and that's a, that's a tough world. It's a tough job and it's all hours and um, it, it, it's just tough. It's a tough job. 
And I, when I came and, and I got to start working at Open Doors in 2015, I say this often to my wife, but I don't have a lot of bad days anymore. Mm-hmm. Do I still put out fires daily? You bet. Do I still have um, conversations that you have to handle in, in an intricate fashion with an upset customer? Yes. All that still happens. But at the end of the day, I am in the right frame of mind now where I understand that my industry is social media and sports. We aren't solving world issues today or probably ever, but what we do is inherently fun. Like I love sports. I love social media. I love advertising. And it's something that I get to do every day now. And it's in the context of awesome relationships. Like you mentioned, Colby, like major league baseball players association and the NFL players association and the NHL and the PGA tour. And I can go on and on about these partnerships and these events that I've been able to attend as, as a, as part of my job, like the thing that I get paid to do for a living. But these are things that I would love to do if I weren't paid to do them. Like I would, I got to go to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, like attend the game. And so that's something is I'm 36 years old now. And I think probably for every single year of my life that I've known what sports was and the NFL was and the Super Bowl was, I've dreamed about going to that game. Mm-hmm. And I got to do that as part of my job. And, you know, for the past three years, I've got to go to the Players' Championship at the PGA Tour host at TPC Sawgrass and Ponte Vedra Beach. And it's just like these things that I'm getting to experience are priceless, but they're not because I'm actually getting paid to go do them. So it, I, for me, and I, I, again, it's just a, a place in life, right? You're a parent and there's crazy stuff happening in the world right now, but like I'm at a place where I'm extremely grateful the of the things I get to do and the things I get to experience and the people and team I get to work with too. It's I'm, I'm really thankful for it. Mm-hmm. I think like that's how I view things as well Is just like, you know, growing up and watching all these games on TV, like not just being like a Gopher fan because like I've made it very well known that like I'm a huge Gophers fan and like, and just like watching the final four on TV and then actually like going and being a part of it in some way, or I, I agree with you. It's just like, these are events that like I would go to and pay to go and see, but I have so much more fun like working them and being a part of them. And I, that's probably one of the reasons why I stay in sports is because like I could never imagine my life without sports and it's just had a big influence on me. And if I can have an influence on it any way I can, like, that's that's the I guess my goal so I agree with you on that point as well yeah, I mean from like you talk about the things like, like I'm from Nebraska I was born and raised here I, I spent every year of my 36 in this in this state except for that season I was with the Kansas City Royals right and so like I didn't I don't take it lightly that the University of Nebraska is a huge partner of ours right they're, they're two blocks from our office and we're talking about you know, when I was a kid growing up, Nebraska was winning back-to-back national championships in football, and our volleyball program is perennially a top five um, competitor in the country. And so it's it's one of those things where, you know, growing up as a kid, I was 
fans and those were my heroes and that's who I was watching and paying attention to. And now as a you know business professional in the sports industry and the university being a partner, like I am directly helping those same student athletes and alumni that from, from being a child to now is just, it's, it's crazy how it really has come full circle. circle. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I'm sure the reason why you are so good at your job too, is because like you are like the university of Nebraska is like, obviously like very close to you and the teams you work with, like there are fans there who like value that team. And you knew that when you had to make those phone calls for Kansas city. And I think like a big part of the field you're in is like, making sure that everyone gets like a first class experience because they want to see the best of like their favorite teams and their athletes. And like you provide that for them. Yeah. I mean, my role at open doors is in the operations department, but looked at another way is like, that's customer happiness. And for us, like our customers are our partners, but you know, athletes and student athletes and retired athletes, they're not our customers. They don't pay to use open doors. But ultimately, like, we want them to be happy. We want them to share content. We want them to show their brand. You know, brand is such a buzzword, but we want them to show who they are to the people that care about them and support them. And that used to be me. And I still care about these, you know, these 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. I still care about these retired professionals that I loved watching on television growing up or listening to the radio broadcasts of these people. And so I'm coming from a place as I grew up a fan. I'm still a fan of these people, but just in a professional sense. Now I still want to see them do well. So for me, it's what we can do as a company is open doors. And then from what, you know, in my specific role in the company, what I can do and what my team can do to, Make sure our customers are happy, that they understand the best practices and the trends and things of that nature that we're, we're on top of it. We see it all. And we just want everybody to understand how they can be their best selves on social. Mm-hmm. So how did that, you know, you went from working at a company for almost eight years. And I'm sure when you had that conversation with Blake um, about joining Open Doors, I'm sure they there was no way they could have predicted that you were going to be going off and going to the Super Bowl and doing these amazing things. So, you know, for someone who's maybe making a a transition in their life, because we've been talking about these great stories and these emotions, but I want to provide maybe an actionable plan to people um, when making a change in a job, making a change in an industry. What was your process like? Did you list the weaknesses, um, the positives, the negatives? What was it like? Was it just the one conversation? Did you, what was it like for you? No, it was months long of deliberation. And um, it's funny, I think we were both kind of wooing each other. I don't know how that's possible because, you know, I'm trying to get a job there and they're trying to get me to work there. But it was like, we were both coming from a place of like mutual respect. Like I I had learned a lot at the agency and I had grown in my career and I was, you know, doing well and I had a family and, you know, the, that that was certainly part of it. But yeah, I mean, the, the pros and cons list are absolutely true. It's like you were reading my email drafts uh, a little bit. Like, you know, you start to talk about, okay, well, like for me, like part of it was like, I commute 45 minutes each day for my job now at Open Doors. So 
like you start to really get down to brass tacks about, okay, what's this job and what's this job and what are, what are the details and, and everything comes into play. It's like, you know, I'm going to spend an hour and a half in the car every day. Is that something I want to do? Yeah. That, that can out, that gets thrown aside because I love working in sports. So it's like you start to look at each one of the benefits of of where you want to be or the the move you want to make and of course like I'm a super rational and like conservative person and I think that's annoying sometimes for some people is like I try to gather all the information in before I make a decision but for me it's I, I that's exactly what I did right I, I kept having conversations with Blake and Audie about okay where are you going what's the next thing where like what are we forecasting for business and like really trying to come at it from an angle that I really understood the decision that I was going to make. And it was hard, like leaving the agency, I'd made a ton of friends in those eight years at the agency. And like, even at open doors, like I love my job, but the biggest part of any job that you love is the people you work with. Like I love the people I work with right now, but I loved the people that I worked with at the agency too. So it was really hard to make that decision, you know, both from a, um, where you are in your life and, you know, the amount of money you're making and, and the things that you're doing versus what you aspire to do. And for me to make that move five years ago, I, I don't look back at it. Not at all. Now it's like, I, of course I would have made that move five years ago, but at the time it wasn't, it definitely wasn't an easy decision. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's, nice to hear that you know about how hard to make that certain type of decisions are because you know for myself and olivia i mean soon we're going to be making decisions like olivia is going to be making decisions on where to go to grad school or to be a ga just because you know doing what she does she's going to get a lot of opportunities elsewhere so she's going to have to make a decision do i move away from home do i stay home even for myself when looking in the future like I got to decide, like, do I leave my current job? Do I go somewhere else? Do I go back home? So it's, it's, it's nice to hear, you know, the goods and bads of, of making that decision. And before we end the podcast, we just want to ask you, you know, if you were to talk to your 20-year-old self or the, the 21-year-old or 22-year-old right after you graduated college, knowing what you went through and all your life experiences, career, personally and professionally, what would be the number one piece of advice you would tell yourself on anything? I think, you know, as far as advice to my younger self goes, I, I, I worked really hard to get in the position to be able to make decisions throughout my career. Um, I, I'm very fortunate. Like when I made that job change five years ago, I was fortunate to be able to have a, decision to make, right? Like there are a lot of people out there right now that in our industry or, or in grad programs or in, in undergrad programs that want to work in sports or want to work in marketing or social media or digital, like they don't have a choice. Like they, it's find a job right now. And that's Mm -hmm. so, I, I have so much empathy for students right now. Mm -hmm. I, and I, I look at resumes all the time and I just, I know how hard it is for you all. I guess I'm speaking to the, the nation now, but you know, I know how hard it is right now for people to find that thing that they want to do. 
And so for me, I think the advice that I would have given myself is don't quit on it or don't give up on the thing that you want to do or the thing that you want to be passionate about or that the thing that you are passionate about, because I don't know, like I just, you, there, the, when you're coming out of school, you are at the peak of flexibility. And I'm, and I'm not, I'm not talking about your economic situation or your income. I'm just talking about theoretically with how much life you have left to live there is no time better than to try to do the thing that you most want to do. And for me, I, I, I told you both, I got very lucky, right? I, but I, I put myself in that position a little bit too, to have that area of fortune. But I think from my mindset, I'm so conservative that if I wouldn't have maybe lucked out or got that role right out of school, I think I probably would have jumped at whatever full-time job I could have gotten at the time. And that would have completely changed my life. So yeah, I got lucky on the front end, but I would just say be more tolerant of risk. Um, to, to hang on just a little bit longer for the thing that you really want. Because like I said, for me, I don't think I would have, I, I probably would have, you know, thrown my cards in and folded and, and found a job and, and then maybe gotten back to it. But I don't know the, the time to do it is when you're young, because right now it, it would, it would be next to impossible for me to try to hold out and do, something that I'm super passionate about, which again, I get to do every day, but it would be hard for me to turn down, you know, hours in a full-time job and income to do something that I'm passionate about over something that's right there in front of me. So I just hang in there, take risks. You'll bounce back. I get, I don't know that that's the best I can do. No, thank you, Derek. That, you know, that advice it's something that I'm trying to preach and I'm trying to learn myself is the three P's is what I like to call it, right? It's passion, persistence, and patience. Find out what you're passionate about, put the work, be persistent in what you're doing and have the patience to see it, you know, turn out the way it does. And if it doesn't turn out the way it does, then you make adjustments. But like you said, um, for people like Olivia and I, we're, we're super young. We're at an age where maybe we can take a little more risk. Um, and that's what we want to do here. We want to expose people to your story and to that advice, because I'm sure someone out there will hear that and they'll probably sit back like, huh, like, what am I doing selling tickets right now? I want to be a marketing manager. I want to do this. I want to do that. And so when they hear that, they're going to be able to say, look, Derek did it. I can do it. I can take the action. I can make it happen. And that's what we're trying to do on the sports is job podcast. So again, thank you for coming on. And in our message from Olivia, Derek, and I, we are all on our own individual journeys, but you are not alone.